0: Welcome, everybody, to the Lodges Podcast. This is a gaming and esports podcast where we host business professionals, streamers, pro esports players, and others who are working in the gaming and esports industry. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Very excited to have you guys with us today. Whether you're a returning listener or you're new to the show, I'm pumped that you decided to tune in and listen. This is episode 37. Uh, Today's guest is Roger Kaneda, who has extensive experience in the industry. He was the general manager for the Dallas Mavericks NBA 2K team entering season one of the NBA 2K league. So he was there at the start and he was really one of the key members that helped build up that organization, uh, grow their brand awareness, played a big role in it. He was the one who designed their 20,000 square foot gaming facility uh, again for the Dallas Mavericks. So he played a really key role with that organization and his story is just really cool. So I'm super excited about it and I think that you guys are going to enjoy Listening to it and and walking through it with him and I, but before we jump into it, uh, just a couple of things I want to cover real quick, and I hope you know you guys listening will hang with me here for a second. Um, first and foremost, I hope everybody is staying safe out there. I know that this is kind of a crazy time right now, uh, an unprecedented time. And there's a lot of people struggling. There's a lot of people going through some things right now. Um, so just on, on behalf of myself, I hope that everybody is well out there, that you're healthy, that that your family is safe and that the things are at least going all right. And that you're hanging in there. Um, you know, we're all going to get through this together and, and hopefully this isn't a a period of time that we're going to deal with too much longer. Um, But I just want to kick it off with saying that because I know it is a crazy time and and it's kind of, um, you know, like I said, unprecedented. So my, my well wishes with all of you guys out there that are listening, um, Uh, This is an exciting episode. Like I said, we've got a great guest. And on top of that, we have an incredible sponsor who is actually sponsoring this episode. Uh, We've been working on this sponsorship for, I I could say, I think two months now. So I'm super excited to finally be able to do it, to finally be able to share it with you guys. So uh, today's sponsor is Stream Elements. I know a lot of you guys are probably familiar with them especially if you're a streamer who is listening. For those of you who aren't, to give you a little bit of background information, uh, they basically provide streamer tools and for community and revenue growth. Uh, so a lot of their tools that people are familiar with is their stream management, their very famous chatbot, they provide free overlays for streamers uh, along with some other things. You know, some of the top streamers that use them are Tim The Tapman, Shroud, Brooke AB with 100 Thieves and others. So very well Respected company in the industry, and and so thankful that they're sponsoring this episode. They recently launched their Stream Elements merch. It is now live. And so, basically, what that is, it's a 100% free system where you basically set up your merch store. So, you can create shirts, hoodies, mugs, mouse pads, stickers. They offer the highest profit margin in the market uh, for every item you sell. So, you earn two times more items. Uh, two times more per item than the leading competitor. Uh, So it's a very cool system. If you're a streamer, if you're a podcast host, if you have a small business, really all of you guys can use it, and it's a great way to create merchandise. Um, So with them, the the giveaway that we have attached with this is we are actually, uh, myself, the Lodges Podcast, we're giving away five Lodges Podcast tees And so that's, first off, very exciting just to be able to give back to you guys as the listeners. It's double exciting because this is actually the first merchandise that we've had available for you guys as the listeners. So for you guys that have been hanging with me and rocking with me, I'm super pumped to be able to give you guys some merchandise. So if you're interested in the giveaway, again, five T-shirts that we're going to give out for free. uh, Go to my Twitter right now. At lodges, um, and there are the instructions are on there. It's super simple to enter, um, and hopefully you guys can win yourself a lodges t-shirt. Additionally to that, we are going to actually have uh, myself, the podcast. We're going to have the lodges podcast shop go live Wednesday, so that's tomorrow at one p.m. Eastern time. And the same shirt they were giving away for free, and a hoodie will be on sale on the official lodges podcast shop. Uh, so again, I'm super excited about this because it's an opportunity for you guys as the listeners to rock some, some lodges podcast swag, um, to let you guys rep it. And so, uh, I mean, this is really cool. I'm super pumped about it. So again, big shout out to our sponsor stream elements specifically shout out to Austin Anderson, uh, for introducing me to Adam and, and, big shout out to Adam for working with me through this and, and getting everything prepared and prepped and, and ready to go. So really pumped about this all hope you guys are as well. But with that being said, I know this is honestly the longest intro we've done. Thank you guys for for hanging with me here for a second and for listening. Um, So with all of that being said, we're going to get into it. Again, this is episode 37 with Roger Kaneda. He's got an incredible story. Um, We're going to actually break this up into two episodes. So right now you are about to listen to part one of the Roger Kaneda story part two will be dropping tomorrow so make sure you tune in for both episodes to hear his story but with all of that being said this is the largest podcast up next hope you guys enjoy it Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Lodges podcast. I am your host, Juan Rodriguez. Thank you guys so much for joining. I hope you guys are excited for another episode this week. This is episode 37. With us, we have Roger Canada, who is the director of esports for Visual Sound. Roger, I know we were just chatting, so we're literally just hopping into it now, but I appreciate you coming on.
1: Thanks, man. I appreciate you having me.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I know, like we were just talking about, you've got a lot of kind of roles and experiences you've had with different teams and all that, um, that I want to hop into and, and things that I want to learn that I think other people want to hear about as well, but to kind of set the scene and and set the stage, if you just want to go like four to five minutes and, and give us a little bit of background information about you, you know, where you're from, um, kind of a little bit about your career, just high overview. I think that'd be a good place to start. Yeah, Definitely. No, my
1: name is Roger Canada. I'm 28 years old. Um I've been involved in the esports industry on a professional side for about 5 to 6 years now. Um I used to compete um back in 2005 on a website that everyone is very well versed of called gamebattles.com. Started with a game called Greg Hastings Tournament Paintball. Um so a lot some people may know what I'm talking about is on the original Xbox. It was a really highly competitive game. Um, but then, obviously, play Call of Duty too, and that was awesome experience getting to play against the Optic, Fear, Envy, and those guys on the ladders and stuff. So that was always exciting. And then 2007, I picked up Rainbow Six Vegas, and ended up uh, we ended up dominating a couple ladders on there and competing for a while. So that's kind of where I got my competitive edge as a teenager. Uh, was back in those days. So that was always fun. And then um, yeah, after after high school, I went to college, kind of like the normal person, and. Uh, after a few years, realized it wasn't for me, and got into sales. Um, I did corporate sales over at Dish Network, and then went into ZipRecruiter um, as well. At my time at ZipRecruiter, um, I was actually created a Twitter account and was following a lot of the esports scene, as I always have through YouTube and stuff. And kind of realized the scene was blowing up, and started networking, and that's kind of how my career kind of took place. And we could get into that in a second, but yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a little bit about me. Yeah, born and raised in Miami, Florida as well. Sorry, forgot about that. Yeah, born and raised <laughs> in Miami, Florida. Uh huge Dolphins fan, Heat fan, Marlins fan. Panthers not so much. They're in Broward. I don't know why they're considered you know, <laughs> anywhere near Miami. So but but yeah, man. Uh huge sports fan and yeah, I'm excited, uh excited to dive into this esports journey that is a very interesting one, as everyone knows if you're a part of this industry.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. And and side note, I think we could also, we could probably have a whole different podcast segment on talking about the heat and other <laughs> stuff like that. Um, Cause I think we have that commonality. I'm not, like I had told you before, I'm not from Miami, but all my family, other than like, you know, my parents, and my brothers are down there. So uncles, yep. aunts, cousins, all that are down there. So as a kid, spent a decent amount of time because we were in Gainesville. Um, yep. That's where I was raised. So we spent a decent amount of time going down there. And then now being in Tampa, um when I moved down here, that was actually like part of the reason I want to come back to Florida and I wanted to go a little bit more central so I could be able yeah. to be the family. So, and no one's, no one wants to be an Orlando magic fan. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I got some love for, for my guys over there in the two K scene though. Um, real coos. He came, he came on the podcast. He's a really cool guy. I really enjoyed him. Nice. But, um, but yeah, anyway, yeah, they got
1: some good people over there, man. Orlando's a great city regardless though. It's an awesome yeah. city.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's, let's hop into it with you. Cause I know you got a lot of different things that you've been able to be a part of, um, and kind of a diverse experience in esports, which is awesome. And so if you want to, I think you were telling me that kind of where your career, I guess on the professional side, we could say not on the player side yeah. kind of kicked off. Correct me if I'm wrong is with the Miami flamingos. So if you just want to kind of dive into how you got involved with them, who the flamingos or, yeah, I guess for context, that'd be a great place.
1: Sure. it it was actually a little before Flamingo's. It was actually called okay. Soul Esports. So we dived into I dived into Halo. So it kinda of fell back to my old roots. Obviously everyone played Halo too and I remember Halo had the clan the clan battles on the on the menu in the game and that was an awesome experience. And so anyways I dived into Halo and started competing again, kinda of just, you know i don't know man i just had that edge to want to compete any game i play i want to win at and compete at so like you know i'm a huge apex player love playing these battle royales and competing for it so i've always been into that and always just winning i do i do wagers and stuff like that till this day so yeah i just always had that edge so yeah man i got into halo actually as competing and this was me at 20 what 20 i'm 28 now i was 24 23 okay um and started competing again, and obviously, I couldn't keep up, but I started fi- finding these players that were really good and scouted and ended up meeting this guy who was a professional coach. His name's Brian, and we ended up scouting these players that ended up qualifying for uh, Halo Regional Championships in California at the studios in Burbank. Okay. Um, and we started the brand Soul Esports. Um, and we actually had one who's a media director now at E-United at uh, – God, I'm blanking on his name, but anyways, he's over there, but he was one of our designers and creative guys too. And yeah, we did that. And then, you know, that kind of, obviously back then it was just, you know, the guys didn't qualify and that was it. You know, there was nothing more we could really do as a, you know, brand. It was just nothing. It was just kind of a passion project. Mm-hmm. And that led me to uh, a company um, that we ended up doing a couple, like uh, sponsoring a couple, like uh, smash tournaments and, and stuff like that. And that led me to um kinda just growing a little bit in that scene and working with some players there. And then um Miami Flamingos came about. Met this guy Luca. I'm Argent- so my family's Argentinian. Um so I met so I'm not sure how we connected. I can't really remember how that connection happened. I think he found me on Twitter or something. because um, I was at that point I was kinda growing on Twitter a little bit. Um mm. and I was pretty I was very active as you know, just speaking. I was I'm very vocal and always speak my mind, so you know, you used to get a lot of that on my Twitter. That's kind of how I grew on there. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, yeah, so I ended up meeting him and we ended up talking and he was telling me about how he has these investors that are interested in starting this thing called, you know, and he had this name, Miami Flamingos. And he showed me this pink logo and all this, and I'm like, man, this is the logo was sick. Like it was like you would think like a flamingo pink, like it would be like, no, man, like the logo <laughs> was sick. Like it really was. If people remember it, you know, that are listening to this, a lot could attest that you know it was a it was a really cool logo. So, anyways, and and anyways, so I was like, man, this is interesting. So, you know, we ended up he he was like, we may have some sponsors on the table already too. So we ended up, you know, that ended up getting secured. You know, both the investment and sponsorship. So. Originally, we had this crazy idea because what the whole plan was Miami Flamingos was, was we scouted this team in Argentina that had these big fan base already and that were, were really competing at a high level. And we figured that, you know, putting them all in the team and making the investment to bring them <clears throat> to Miami would be would be a big way we could grow the brand organically, mm-hmm. um, which ended up happening that way, too. But, um, so, and now, so there was a whole process with that to get people back then. It's definitely a lot easier now, uh, back then than it is now, obviously, because everything that's going on. Um, but even then, um, to acquire P1 athletic visas, you know, especially, and back then though, it was, it was harder because you had to prove they were athletes, right? So there's this whole process you have to go through from getting letters to all the news articles and stuff, proving that these guys are who they are and are competing at this high level. Um, so, you know, and there's a whole process, hiring the attorneys, getting the letters, writing everything. And so, but we ended up getting four out of five approved. Um, we had one get denied. So that was a whole process alone. And mind you, we're doing this before the brands even launched. Like we're trying to secure this. Um, we have a gaming house. Surprising enough, one of the investors had this mansion in Doral, Florida. If people know Miami. Doral's one of the like suburbs of Miami. Um and we ended up, he ended up having like this mansion out there, man, like this big six bedroom house. Mm-hmm. Um And he was going to give it to us to live and do content and do all that stuff in it. And that was the plan. So, you know, we just had to acquire the visas at this point. We had the team, we had the players that all agreed to play with each other. You know, everything was good to go. Um yeah. We secured the sponsorship dollars as well already, which was awesome to do before anything was like really done. You know what I mean? So that was, right, that was, right. and, and credit to Lucas on that, man. He was a, that relationship he had over there really, really helped to get that done and really kickstart this whole thing and experience that everyone did. Um, So, but anyways, um, and yeah, so that's how that started. So we ended up having to fumble, get, you know, the whole visa process, the guy had to play from his country for a while. So we had four guys in the house to coach. And then um, I ended up moving in about a month later and living with them myself. And then obviously we started expanding to different games, like super smash bros, um, and I believe we got into one more. I just can't remember. But anyways, man, these Argentinian kids were just so passionate, man. So you know, one of the things that I did, and I made, I made, I made sure to really do, and I think was really important, and everyone's doing now, is I made sure to sh- give the fans every single piece of what was going on of that daily life, from you know Snapchat, Snapchat to Instagram stories. I was posting about twelve to fifteen stories a day from the experience, from the guys waking up to us cooking, to us going to the supermarket. I was posting all these videos on Twitter and Mm -hmm. that because I, because one, the fans wanted it. And then two, I knew that if we kept doing that, it'll just keep growing organically because the fans were so into these guys and how they were coming. Because these guys, because in Argentina, man, to to do what we did for these guys to fly to move to Miami, live in the house they lived in, to come from where they come from was unheard of. It's like these guys were living a dream, and back then it was for that country. You know what I mean? No one in Argentina right. has done that before it's for Counter Strike like that. And and to that to that extent. So, anyways, these guys had so if people remember the M D L. Which is the Mountain Dew? That's like the Premier League before getting to the Pro League. Um, so our goal from day one was we needed to get the guys in in the MDL. Um, so we have to start from open. Um, the guys went undefeated. They went. They didn't lose one game. So we ended up. Usually, this never happens. We were one of the. F- we were the first team to ever get directly promoted to Premier to the MDL from open. Um, so that was awesome we got and a lot of that had to do with the fan base we we had so much support we had more viewers on the open streams than the mdl had on their streams wow we were it was incredible these, and and you know what the big thing too was these guys like if people if people remember shoney boy shoney boy now plays for existence in spain they're sponsored by burger king if people know existence they're their team in spain they're huge um, okay. and they have they have huge partnership deals over there. And like I said, Burger King is one of their main sponsors, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and actually, it's funny. Three out of the six out of the five players are in Spain right now playing for that same team. Shoney Boy ended up take going over there and creating and scouting some of the old players from the Flamingos. So three out of the six, five Flamingos are in <laughs> Spain right now competing for a big professional organization, which is so hum- awesome to see. I keep in contact with those guys till this day. Um, we all still talk, and I love seeing their success and, and what they're doing. But anyways, back to back to our story. <laughs> we made it to that MDL, right? Um, and at this point, you know, we have there's like six investors involved already at this point, point um, and things are getting a little crazy. So I. I don't know what happened, and this is where things in esports get a little tricky, right? Like the hype, the hype was building too fast. Or... No, not even that. They wanted to see revenue at a very short span, like in six months. Oh, they wanted okay. to see money already coming in. Mind you, we already have a a, a small six figure sponsorship deal already there in place, right? So, uh huh. So that's already there. That's it. we're getting paid every month on that. So, okay. but these so. I don't know if it was Luke uh, if it was, you know, the guy who wanted to start this or whoever that that pitched them this dream that they'll see money coming in so fast, but that was not the case especially back then. Um uh, and especially for us who only have a Counter-Strike team in the open divisions.
0: You know what I mean? Right. Or I mean really even for like grassroots teams now it's yeah. the revenue is not something that comes immediately like that.
1: No, not at all. So so that was that was interesting and we had to deal with this lady i won't name her name who was one of the investors and she was just a kid she would show up and put pressure on the guys to do this and that and and all of this and it was just a very uncomfortable environment for at the the last few months we were there and then um anyways the guys make mdl mm-hmm. um they start competing mdl they have great games they have bad games right like anyone else there were struggles there was a lot of process um but things were getting stressful internally Um, so I remember one day things were getting really bad and the coach comes outside and he's like, Hey man, what are we going to do? And at that point I was like, what is he? He's like, like, things are getting bad. And he's like, I know you could take care of us. Like get us out of here.
0: (laughs) So (laughs) mind you. The next what was day, your role? Sorry to interrupt. What was your role at this point in time with them? At him? this
1: point, I was the general manager. I was the okay. GM.
0: Okay, got you. got
1: you. So at this point, I was the GM. I came in as head of partnerships because, oh, I, I completely forgot. We completely forgot Enigma 6. My, so I, I became the GM of Enigma 6 group first. Okay. I was already a part of Miami Flamingos as partnerships, but I was, But the reason I didn't take the full-time role at Flamingos is because I just got offered to be the general manager of Enigma 6, which was a professional Call of Duty team, um, okay. where they had General Jordan, who plays for the Chicago Huntsman right now. He was the owner and also the professional player. Okay. So We had a Gears of War Halo team, Call of Duty, and um, when I went there, we scouted a Counter-Strike team, um, a really good one. They, ma- they made Pro League. We ended up okay. selling them to uh, Rogue.
0: Oh, okay. Nice.
1: Yeah. Nice. So that got sold to Rogue. Um, we negotiated a deal with Rick Fox over at Echo Fox for to yep. trade one of our Gears of War player, Crushmo, um, for a spot in the CW H1Z1 TV live event. I don't know if you remember ever seeing that. It was on the CW. It was the first ever H1Z. It was the first ever Battle Royale on TV.
0: Okay, no, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah,
1: so that was on the CW. We had a we had a team and we had a spot on there, and that was because we traded a player to Echo Fox. So that was <laughs> okay. that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, I can't believe I can't believe I completely forgot to talk about Enigma 6. And E6 actually <laughs> was a big start of my career, to be honest. So I apologize about that no, I completely no. forgot about Enigma 6, man. Great people over there too, ownership a uh, general who also plays for the Chicago Huntsman right now, man. Good for uh, Austin to see him being successful over there. Um, but, yeah, so we ended up doing that. Um, the CSGO team started performing, and like I said, they made the Pro League, and then, you know, obviously we the whole goal was just to sell them anyways. That was kind of the plan from day one. So that ended up working out in some ways. Um, and then – and then three months, I think it was about three months in, the Flamingos approached me to become the move. I mean, I was already moved in, but they approached me to become the GM and, and start taking it over full time. And then it was just good timing and it made sense.
0: So you exited the other team and then kind of went into the a one. Downs- yeah, because
1: Enigma Six wanted a downside anyways. We got rid of the Halo team already at that point. So they gotcha. just wanted to stay in Call of Duty. So it just made sense for me to make the move and start expanding in Miami Flamingos. Um, right. So I took on the GM role at Miami Flamingos in, in March or okay. a little bit, a little before that. But anyway, so back to Flamingos now, which we got far ahead, right? The guys made MDL. This is we're already in June, July. Mm-hmm. And, um, I remember the coach, like I said, came out and had that conversation with me that, you know, things are getting bad and, you know, they were already, re- their pay was reduced. Originally they were getting paid $2,000 a month. Um, and which is amazing, right? Can you right. imagine an open team which I and and I'll be honest and I told the players this I was, this is why I think the players gave me respect is because I told them from the start that I thought their pay was ridiculous.' Because um, when I got on board, I had a lot of I had a lot of a lot of input. Because paying players 2 a month, we're already paying for their housing. They have an $800 food budget. a mo- You know what I mean? Like, I just right. thought it was just so ridiculous how much money we we're spending on these salaries for players that we easily could be paying $1,000 a month. You know what right. I mean? I get they have families, and that's more than enough in Argentina. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, but good for them on their negotiation skills originally. You know, I wasn't a part of that, so I didn't know that. So, um, anyways... So we got that down to a 1000 and that was the first red flag, right? And I told them, too, I was a part of that. I think that should have happened uh, way, way earlier than that. But anyways, you know, it happened. So their salary
0: decrease that you guys Yeah, down. and I think okay. that was
1: like in month four. Month four, that was like their first red flag. And then like a month later, uh-huh. things just like I said, the lady and all that, things were just getting really bad, and, and the guys were just having it. And then I remember we had that conversation the next day that lady came And was super condescending to me and was like, hey, here's your check. And mind you, I was waiting for this check was like two weeks late. And she's like, this is going to be the last check we're going to be able to pay you. Um, You're more than welcome to stay here if you want and continue helping. But, you know, we can't pay you anymore. (laughs) So at that point, I was just like, what the (laughs) hell is going on? You know what I mean? And mind you, I was only making $1,500 a month. So okay. I wasn't making much, you know, and sure they provided the housing and stuff, but I wasn't touching the guys' food. I paid for my old food, you know what I mean? Right. And mind you, the guys would always offer me food. They always made more. They were always nice about that. You know, like I said, we became brothers, man. Those guys are brothers, and you know, we. It was a good experience, but they always offered me food too, and they always cooked for me and and gave me the food that they cooked. So you know, it wasn't really a big deal, regardless. And I tried always buying extra food too, which I did. But yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was just weird, man. And then that happened, and I remember. We're going to DreamHack uh, a week later. So, you know, obviously I stayed because I wanted to go to DreamHack, it was already paid for. They were taking me there. You know what I mean? Right. And exactly. I remember I had this meeting with Gale Force at DreamHack. Um, Gale Force was uh I don't know if people know the history, but you know, they had the number one Rocket League team in the world. They had one of the best North American heroes of store teams with Michael Udall leading it. And um and they wanted to expand and do some more stuff. Mm-hmm. And they were on a big rise. Like I said, the Rocket League team was one of the best teams. You know what I mean? They're they're winning every championship yeah. left and right. So yeah. you know, they're on a b they're on a huge growth spread. So they wanted to add some some extra juice to that. So I remember, you know, it was like perfect timing from the coach coming to me and telling me that and the players were all on board and wanting to get out of there. And then them taking away my check and telling they can't pay me anymore. You know, yeah. I was just like, Well at this point, man, you know, it's it's survival. You know what I mean? For not right. just me, but for these players who you know, don't know what might happen next month. You know what I mean? Right. So, we went into survival mode. So, yeah, we started reaching out to a whole bunch of teams. Gale Force was one of the ones that bit. Freddie Crespo, uh, who was the CEO C- at the time, um, was going to DreamHack because his Rocket League team was competing and all that. So, he was really interested in the team, and he had a whole team doing research on us and following us and watching us the last, like, two weeks before DreamHack and stuff, so he did a lot of scouting on the team and the fan base and stuff like that, so they were really interested, man. I was really impressed with how the way they approached us with all the analytics and how they think we could help them grow and how they had this plan. They had a whole plan around us joining them and all that, too, so it was really cool, man. It was like a perfect, like, tee-up, you know what I mean? Like, fate right um but we had to move to phoenix arizona and they had a t- they had a big team house out there but it was in the middle of nowhere sun city arizona it was like 45 minutes outside of phoenix actually to own a home there you have to be 45 years or older <laughs> really i've never heard that before <laughs> yeah it's a it's a 45 year older community um but but anyways we rented it the guy the the owner of gale force rented it so it was one of those places so that's where we went it was a big house another six-bedroom house and all that great. So we had a whole bunch of space and all that, but yeah, well, we went, I went to dream hack. We ended up having that talk negotiated. Um, and then yeah, pick that, figure that out. Um, and then it, it was one of the things now we had to figure out, okay, how can we get out of the contract from flamingos? Not me, the players.
0: Yeah, and at this point, just to, I just want to make sure I'm following right. So at this point, you guys had merged with them, but were you? I guess were you still two separate entities, or had you guys combined as as one team, or as you know, teams? No, go, no, no,
1: no, no, no. no. We were not in any combination with flamingos at all. at okay. this point
0: because gotcha,
1: gotcha. it was a whole different ownership group over at flamingos. It was an older group I'm talking about. Um, though I think the youngest owner was like fifty or something like that. Okay. okay. Very older gray and white type of group. Um and then you had Nancy, that lady, and it was oh it was just a mess. But anyways, at this point, no, we were we were at this point it sounds messed up, but we were we were trying to figure out how to get away from this organization. Mm-hmm. Um, because the players didn't want to stay there anymore. Right. Um, okay because they didn't know what was going to happen next month. You know, the, their salary gets lowered. They right. take away my paycheck. Um, they said that they don't, they don't know um, they might need to move, move back into the house. This person might live here. Oh things man, there's just there so many things so I could keep going and I'm not going to go. It was just way too <laughs> much to these players. And these guys were just They're like, they came to me and just like, like I said, the coach. And then we all had a conversation together and yeah, right. we all agreed that, Hey, if we could get out and I went to a lawyer And the lawyer told me that Flamingos breached their contract by lowering the salary. Um, Oh, there you go. And mind you, the last month, Flamingos created a new contract for them to sign, and the players weren't signing it. They were pushing it back. So so there was a little bit of, like, ownership was like, yo, what's going on? Why aren't they signing? Um, Right. But it's because at this point, we were trying to land a deal with another team because we we already got the green light that we could leave because the contract was breached by lowering the salary.
0: So that's what took you guys to Texas and, and all this is happening. Why you guys are still over in Texas? No, we're in Miami. Oh, you're still in Miami. Oh, so the, team, the other team was still in Phoenix then.
1: No, no, no. So we got a little lost now. No, no, no. We, we're in Miami at this point.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay.
1: Yeah, we're in Miami. I'm talking about back back in June, July. I'm going back.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. About Miami
1: Flamingos. How, you know, at this point... I guess I missed that part in the story, actually. I'm bad at this, man. <laughs> no, you're good. Yeah, no. no saw. So I was going back into it that, yeah, there was a, they, were, they breached their contract, and that's how we were able to sign with Galeforce. That's why okay. we were okay. able to move to Phoenix.
0: Okay. Okay, makes sense. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah.
1: So I just I went back a little. I, I didn't mention that part. But, yeah, no, that's, that's how we were able to get out of the Flamingos was that the contracts were breached. So that's how we ended up in, in, in Phoenix, you know, agreed with Galeforce and got that signed and moved to Phoenix. Got you you. Gotcha. So then Phoenix, so Gelforce comes around, and we're in an MDL. We're competing. Um, life is great. Computers, we're, our sponsors, NVIDIA. NVIDIA send us all these graphics card. Ballistics ends up coming on board. We land that deal. That was a great deal we ended up doing. They send us all the memory and all that stuff, too. So we build, we build all these great computers, all that stuff, get the guys set up in Phoenix, have the whiteboard. You know, it's all perfect. You know, it's perfect setup, man. Gelforce sets us up for, for success. Right. Um, and the guys are competing and they choke. Um, and then I believe we make it to playoffs and, um, we start competing and we ended up going to Huntington beach, California. Cause we ended up doing a deal with a company called uh, ultimate studios. I don't know if you know who ultimate is Mm-mm. old not, esports. Not so all esports is a sponsor of the overwatch league as well. They do apparel. They also have like a 40,000-square-foot facility down in Huntington Beach, California. They have a 40-person land set up, five different stages, um, okay. apparel studio, offices, all that stuff. Huge, great space in the back. They have a basketball court, a little ramp to do skateboarding. Huge, great, great, fun place to do content and all that stuff. They sponsor right. EU United and a couple other teams and stuff like that too. Uh, but anyways, we're, we ended up landing that deal, and we're going to do the playoffs in Huntington Beach. And at this point, I was um, I was trying to get the guys to move to California. Um, we agreed prior that we would only stay in Phoenix for a few months and try to find a new location because, especially with the location we were, wasn't going to be it. Right, right. So we ended up thinking Huntington Beach would be the. Would be the prime location since we just got this new sponsorship with O, and we could utilize their facility on a content side and really push that. Same with Rocket League and all that. You know what I mean? Um mm-hmm. and Rocket League at this point was killing it. You know, they're winning every championship. Um just in back in November, um, they just won the NBC two V two championship as well. That NBC ended up putting up with this event out in Santa Ana out at the esports arena. Um, and that was one of NBC's like first entrance into esports was that rocket league event, the two V two championship where they ended up up winning that too. And that was really awesome. So, and then E-League started. So rocket league ended up getting into the E-League over at TNT on Turner. Okay. I don't
0: know if you ever followed that. I know. Yeah. I know Turner and them. Yeah. So the
1: E-League and the guys did that. So then at this point, same time that's going on, we have counter-strike competing. Um, and my buddy over at the Mavs, his name's Anthony Morocco, who was one of my good friends at the time. Yeah. Um, he was the head GM over there. He was running, he launched the brand for a little bit. He got the social medias launched and all that. And I was, you know, kind of helping him dive into the industry as he was getting into it as well, and just kind of giving him advice, you know, as, as he was trying to learn the right. space because he was new to it. Right. Um, and I remember him calling me, and I remember... At this point, I was really interested on in trying to work for the NBA. And long story short, I don't want to go too much detail. Back, I guess, back in my back when I was with the uh, Gale Force, I applied to be the 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 GM of the NBA Two K League, um, okay, which Over is the whole Brendan. League? Yeah, which is Brendan who's position. Okay, I ended up getting do, doing four interviews and meeting with the VP, and oh, getting wow. to like the final. Yeah, he to the final one, and obviously, it didn't go with me. But yeah. that was super interesting, man. That was like a two and a half month process. Dang. Okay. Yeah, I don't talk about that much because obviously it's just like it, nothing happened from it. But I thought that was super interesting. Um, I mean, that's
0: still a. I mean, even though you didn't land it, I still think that's a big uh, personal experience. I would, I would say, not it many was. people obviously can. Yeah. Say they made it that deep into into the interview rounds, It was for, man. You know, GM especially how
1: young things. I was too, man. Yeah, no, definitely. I was, I was super like. I was super shocked. Um, but I, like I said, man, one thing that I've done in this industry and I continue to do is I'm just passionate, man. And I love what, mm-hmm. what, what this does for for other players. And I just love seeing players succeed and grow and really just be successful, especially a brand to be able to, you know, be, be a, a big asset to these players' success and being a part of that. So it's always been how, why I do this, man. So it's I think that always portrays what I talk about this industry is, you know, how much it's genuinely, how much I love it. Um, so no,
0: I can, I can hear the passion in you, but I think that, I think that in and of itself, especially with, you know, so many people now, I think trying to get into it. I think people, I, I mean, I get excited when I hear the passion cause I get passionate about it. Um, so it's always fun, especially just, you know, side note for me on the podcast, when I have someone that comes on and they're, you know, obviously all my guests have been amazing, but I really get amped up when when the other guest really starts to get into it so.
1: for sure no, no i get that 100 percent, man for sure yeah but yeah no and then so yeah that happened and then i remember i started applying for a couple nba teams i okay. ended up doing a interview with orlando magic okay um and we got to a video call and i met with a couple other team and i remember i got to the final two it was between me and christopher who ended up becoming the gm over there which I, i'm sure you know chris over there um okay. Did you ever meet
0: Chris, by the way? I, I did not meet Chris when we went over. So I had the interview, or I did the podcast with Gabriel, who's their head of partnerships. Got and it. Yeah. Then, no. Yeah. We were uh, we met their head coach, and then we were like we Jonah. He was Gabriel. my
1: head coach, man. Okay. Okay. That was yeah, my no, head, head coach, man. Yeah. No, Jonah Edwards, oh, man.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He,
1: he, uh, we'll get into that too, but yeah, no, Jonah, good dude. But yeah, so, um, so I ended up doing Orlando sacramento called me um we interviewed did i think a two to three phone calls and then they flew me out to sacramento so i flew out to the kings um for a whole day they put me up in a hotel they flew me out that night and then i i uh the next morning i had a whole day interview with a whole bunch of different people got went mm-hmm. through the whole stadium they gave me the whole tour that was an awesome experience um great staff over there good people Um, and yeah and honestly after that man never heard back didn't get a no or a yes (laughs) just just didn't hear anything Um, Uh and then I interviewed with the Bucks Um, and then Anthony Morocco like I said I guess he's from Cleveland so I guess he applied or something happened in Cleveland and they reached out and made him an offer so he was like hey I'll put your resume in front of the decision maker you want me to do it I was like course man like i've been obviously you know he knows that i've been interviewing so um i was like of course so um yeah ronnie the cfo who was uh, who was uh running the day-to-day over there for the gaming called me the next day and um was like hey man can you fly out to dallas like we had a good call we had a good talk and then was like at the end of it was like hey man you want to fly out to dallas um and meet and meet with us and stuff and i was like um i was like sure he's like can you do tomorrow and i was like okay let's do it And at this point, I think this was like um, right before the beginning of November, and I know the NBA Two K was just starting to ramp up at this point. So like everyone was under pressure to hire people. Um, So this is
0: pre. Is this end of season one or is this before season one was about? This is
1: before. This is before the Two K league was even a season. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This is before the 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 league even launched. Right. Um, Okay. So this is like. Late October, if not the the first week of November, if I'm not mistaken. And at this point, too, I told Gulf Force what I was doing. They are fully aware that I was going for NBA jobs and fully supported them, too. Obviously, I would love to say that one of their employees went to work in the NBA, too. So (laughs) they were very supportive of that. So, um, but yeah, so that happened, and I flew out to Dallas. And at this point, funny story, I was like, it was such short notice. I was in Huntington Beach in california with my team as they were training for the playoffs and i was trying to find them a house to move into um so i had no clothes so i don't know who i was talking to but i remember i was like i don't know what to do and i remember he said why don't you just wear your jersey my Gale force jersey and i was like that's not a bad idea so i could represent house sponsorships and how this works in the industry. And that's how, I, that's how I had in my head why I would do it. So I went in jeans, my Adidas, and my Gale Force jersey <laughs> to my interview, walking into the Mavs office. Checked in, met Ronnie. He took me oh. to a room, and we chatted. Um... And we talk man and that and and sure enough we hit it i hit i one of the things i touched on and he told me after obviously he hired me is that dude one of the things that was big for me was how he talked about sponsorships on the jersey and you showed me how they were there and all that stuff so it was a huge thing for him because obviously at that point too in the nba they're about money they're about how we're gonna right. make money yeah so that was out, a yeah so that was a great i think a great uh a great uh, pitch on my part to go in with that strategy because <laughs> it definitely worked out, obviously. But, yeah, that was one of my main things in talking about sponsorships and how they worked. And at this point, we had sponsorships all over us. You know what I mean? The NVIDIA, the, um, Ballistics, Twitch, and then um, I forgot who, who was, what was the last one. But, yeah, um, yeah we, were, we, were, we were doing all that. I showed them how we were promoting brands, how we built the social media, um, how I was living in the gaming house with my teams and how we built, you know, how we grew together. I had my personal media account Going to right. compression wise and stuff too. So yeah, I remember the next day I'm at the casino with one of my buddies. Um, I'm back in. I'm back in. Uh, I'm back in Phoenix at this point. I had to go to the gaming house okay. and pack it up to get it ready because um, right. the guys were permanently in California, living in a hotel at this point. Counter Strike, and we're talking about Gale Force. Right, um, right? And we were get- the lease of the Phoenix house was up, and we weren't renewing. So I had to pack that up. So I went back to Phoenix. So anyways, I was at the casino and I got the call from Ronnie. He's like, I remember he told me like, hey, the next step is you're going to meet Mark. Um, hmm. And that was like my next step. So I was just waiting for whenever that was going to happen. He said, it's probably going to be a video call. So be ready. So mind you, I'm looking at my phone every 10 seconds, right? You know, Mark Cuban going to call me. You're itching so for the call. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like. Um, and Ronnie calls me. He's like, hey, man, listen, I ended up talking to Rock, for, uh, Mark for a few hours last night, and we just want to offer you to the job. Uh, wow. And made me the offer right then and there, and, you know, gladly accepted it. Um, and that's how that started. He's like, hey, but we need you to start immediately. And he's like, next uh, – he said, next week, I need you to fly to New York um, to represent us at the NBA 2K League launch meeting because this is when they're going to start launching the league. Right. Okay. Where all the teams and managers were going to meet. He's like, I need you to fly to New York with me and do that. Can you do that? And I was like, of course. He's like, but it's before your start date. So um so I was like, Yeah, no problem at all. Just book me the ticket, we're good. Yeah. So he, cause I told him I needed till the end of the month to get the to situate my my counter strike team and Gale Force as a whole make sure they're good i just didn't want to leave them you know in california these guys trusted me as their father at this point you know they're, they're trusting yeah. as i take them across the world miami phoenix california you know yeah you these don't want to drop foreign,
0: anything like that. they're
1: from a foreign country you know they're already like culture shocked as it is right um so you know I, I made an effort to make sure they were good so um but yeah so i accepted that got transitioned that to happen and yeah went into the maps and that that's, like I said, this is a whole other story of its own. So I know Gale force they, that ended up not working out. The guys ended up going back to, if we want to keep up with, like, what happened to the Counter-Strike guys real quick. They ended up going back to Argentina. Um One of the players ended up starting his own eSports organization that's a very, one of the most popular eSports orgs in Argentina, now called Pounds eSports. His name's is Gishoro. He was one of the most popular streamers on the team originally. Um, okay. And he obviously utilized that to his advantage as he went back to Argentina and started streaming a lot more. And then about a few, I think a year later is when he started his eSports org. Um, and now they compete in almost every game, Fortnite, Rainbow Six, and all that at a very high level. Oh, they're also in F1 racing, which is really big over there in South America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've been seeing that, which is I mean, really cool, I mean, by I mean, the way.
0: The racing stuff and all that? Yeah. Have you seen yeah. how the
1: NASCAR has been doing that now? Yeah. Not to get off topic, but you know, no, it's, it's really it's cool crazy. how they've taken that advantage of that.
0: No, and they got it like on Fox with like live television. I saw that what was it? One point they peaked at 1.3 million on yeah. last Sunday's race or they averaged like it was one of the other, but I know it like broke the esports record for them which is crazy and yeah, not to sidetrack, but it's it's insane how like I like simulated it is to where like they're in the rig like all the nascar drivers literally talk like it's you know as close as you can get to actually and it's as know,
1: accurate be- as it could be as you would in a real car
0: yeah yeah it's wild really cool stuff and i think they're continuing it now where it's no choice I think right the now either. The races
1: yeah 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 i mean everything going on right now is crazy which that's a whole other topic of <laughs> its own but um but yeah so back to so i started the Mavs right and uh,
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star rating if you've enjoyed this. You can find out more about Lodges by searching on Instagram at lodges underscore financial, on Twitter at lodges, on eFuse at lodges, and on LinkedIn by searching for my name, Juan Rodriguez, J-U-A-N. Following on socials is the best way to be kept up to date with podcast updates and information. Thanks, and you were just listening to The Lodges Podcast.